Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Mark Josephsberg, an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City. And our topic today is going to be the different styles of Alexander Technique teaching. What are the different uh, ways of teaching that a student might run into if they have Alexander lessons? And um, for this interview, Mark is actually going to interview me, although I'm sure he'll have some things to say. Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to you, Mark. Thank you, Robert. Um, welcome back to your show. Oh, it's great being here. <laughs> um, I'll start by asking, what, what's, what's important about this, since you picked out the topic Right. Yep, I'm responsible. You're responsible for it, and we don't know what we're going to talk about exactly, or I don't know what you're <laughs> going to talk about exactly. What's important about this to you? Well, I think that um, I think it's always pretty much always been true, certainly since Alexander's death, and I think even before, and he died in 1955, that uh, there's really no such thing as a standardized Alexander Technique lesson. There have always been different approaches to teaching. When, when he died, there were several teachers who uh, created their own training courses for teachers and who have been very influential in, in, in this, this work. And, of course, since then, there have been you know, second, third, fourth generation uh, training courses. And there, there are some pretty big differences, I think, in how the technique is taught. And I think that uh, it's just worth um, cataloging them a, a little bit, uh, certainly from the point of view of, of a potential student who is, is thinking of taking lessons that, so they have some idea of what the various possible ways of teaching they might encounter. And I think certainly someone who's thinking of joining a teacher training course might want to have some idea of how their course fits in with this, mm -hmm. th these breakdowns. And I, I want to say right off the bat that I, I don't want to make this a judgmental thing that some ways of teaching are better or, or worse than others. Um, my my own take on it is that there are excellent excellent teachers in every one of the various of every one of the various possible um, divisions. Let's say mm -hmm. of, of this is more just to kind of get that get the information out there. Okay, yeah, I'm interested in these uh, divisions you call them, and you also call them. Categories. Well, I have uh, I, I came up with uh, five um, categories in which there's I think a pretty there's a range that you could find teachers in, and um, and I think the most important one, at least from my perspective, with the two most important, let's say is one, teachers who are more interested in working with a student's thinking as opposed to more interested in doing hands-on work. Now, obviously, um, uh, most, almost all teachers do both. So it's not a, a division so much as a range. 
I think there are some teachers that do very little speaking, and there are some teachers who use their hands very sparingly, and there are some teachers who, who don't use their hands at all. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, a, that's an important distinction, I think, for anyone who's you know, contemplating taking lessons, that uh, th- there, there is this difference in, in a, a different, different approaches to teaching the basic principles of the Alexander Technique. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of two that I consider very uh, probably the most important. Uh, the second one, which is a little bit related to it in some ways, uh, is is the the range in terms of how much emphasis a teacher puts on basic Alexander Technique principles, however they understand those principles, versus how much emphasis on using certain specific procedures for teaching the work. Like most of those procedures were developed by Alexander himself, uh, and he used them in his own teaching. There are a few that have been added since, since his death. And I don't want to imply that a teacher can't do both of those at the same time at all. I think most teachers who emphasize uh, procedures uh, using just a few standard procedures in their work would say they are working with the principles of the technique. And indeed, I'm sure they are. But there are teachers who feel that the procedures are, in a sense, less important and wouldn't wouldn't feel it would be a terrible thing to just not use most of them. Are you talking about procedures like whisper ah hands on the back of the yes. chair? The standard, yeah, there are about a half a dozen whisper ah hands on back of chair. I guess uh, table work could be considered a procedure. Chair work, the monkey, um, the lunge is often considered a procedure. I don't think well, I'm not sure if Alexander used that. You could probably think of a couple more, um, but there are. There are some teachers who would argue that without using those procedures, you're not really teaching the Alexander Technique. Hmm. And there are teachers who would say, well, the procedures may have been useful for Alexander, but he never said that they that, that was how you had to teach. And they would say, really, the important thing Alexander discovered was some key principles, some key understandings of human human functioning and how to how to change it mm-hmm. so that i think that's a bit related to the mental hands on division that we talked about before there's some overlap there but i think it's an essentially a, a different different category and i think those two are the most important and i think anyone um coming for an alexander lesson would would probably do well to have that division in the back of their mind so they could get some idea of of how the particular teacher they've gone to see fits into that framework. Mm-hmm. So, shall we move on? Uh, or yes. do you have any questions about those two? Well, you you were saying that the, you think those are the most important um, of all it, the ones that I'm going to talk about. So, yeah. let's yeah, let's keep going then. 
Yeah. Um, another division that is a more recent one, uh, historically, maybe goes back 20 or 30 years, is um, is it does a teacher work with only with individuals one on one, or do they work with groups of people? Mm-hmm. And there, back in the day uh, when I was in England, there was a, a, a stat meeting on this very topic, and group teaching was at the forefront, and it was very heated. There were very heated arguments about it. And I think that over the years, group work has become uh, much more acceptable, although I also believe that a lot of teachers would argue that it's it's okay for certain things, but it's not really, doesn't really substitute for individual uh, lessons. And then there are, on the other hand, teachers who would argue it, not only is it as good, but in many ways it's better because of uh, the fact that people get to observe changes in other people, that it's quite cost efficient, so on, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's an important range. And there, there are a lot of teachers who do who do some of one and some of another, but there are some teachers who I think are pretty feel very strongly that one of those two is is way better than the other. Hmm. So that's the third one. Okay. Uh the fourth one is um that some some teachers, certainly when I was training in England, um, most teachers um, would only would only work with people in these fairly standard procedures that Alexander uh, developed, and would not would be would very rarely venture outside of that. So, if you were a musician and you were coming for lessons, it's not all that likely that a teacher teacher in that group would work with you with with your instrument, or they might after many lessons. Whereas today, certainly, there are a lot of teachers who, if a new student, if a student calls and says they're a musician, they'd say, well, bring your instrument for the first mm-hmm. lesson. Let's see what you do. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, that's a relatively new development, I believe. And by that, I mean 20, 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't seem like a um a daring thing i think to most teachers today to 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 do some work at least with a student in in whatever activity they happen to be doing but back in the day i think it was so that's so it, a bit of a division yeah, yeah so uh, procedures versus practical applications yeah or when i was over in england in the late 70s early 80s the term was application work Mm-hmm. And my on my training course, uh, Paul and Betty Collins were the directors of it, and they were especially Paul. Well, both of them really were were kind of um, at the cutting edge of application work at that time in England. I mean, Paul was a runner, and he would work with people running on Hampstead Heath, mm. um, which I thought was really interesting. Not that I wanted to run, but but mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting concept. It never occurred to me you could do that. But there were a lot of teachers who felt that was not a good idea, that you should stay within the basic st- framework that Alexander developed. Mm-hmm. So that's the fourth division. And are you ready for the fifth? 
I'm ready for the fifth. The fifth one is those teachers who think that when you're teaching the Alexander Technique, you should really only be teaching the Alexander Technique and that you should not be uh, teaching other things such as yoga or Tai Chi or, or anything else, really. You, an Alexander lesson should be an Alexander lesson and that you shouldn't really be combining it all that much with other, other fields. Mm-hmm. And, that, and on the other hand, there are a lot of teachers, say, for example, um, there are a fair number of musicians who become Alexander teachers, and they may teach pretty standard Alexander lessons, but when a musician comes, part of what they might do is not just work with them uh, playing their instrument in an Alexander way, but they might actually be working with them musically as well. Offering, mm-hmm. you know, musical suggestions. Or there's some teachers who are yoga instructors. And they might have classes or individual lessons in which yoga uh, principles or yoga uh, ideas are kind of incorporated into Alexander or vice versa. And I think right. that's kind of a, an, an important division of teachers as well mm-hmm. that that one would seem to be uh, I would think the intention of the teacher the, uh, the what the what the student thinks they're going to get like right from the beginning I, right. I, mean, I, I right. think is this going to be a music lesson combined with Alexander I mean I, I would think they would whatever they decide as far as I'm concerned is okay as long as it's kind of set up that way if the student right. is actually paying for an alexander lesson and then they start about start talking about chord progressions and other stuff and they spend the whole time doing that right right i i think that is a legitimate concern and i i think even in uh I, i'm not sure about stat but uh, amsat probably has some rules about that that you should make it very clear that if it's an alexander teach lesson it's an alexander lesson and if it's something else, it's something else. And if you're going to combine them, you should you should be very clear with your student that that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't have any quarrel with that. But I do think um, there, there certainly are Alexander teachers who give, for example, yoga workshops where they're doing they're working with yoga students in the practice of of yoga and they're bringing alexander ideas to bear at the same time and i think for the most part those teachers are pretty clear what it is they're teaching mm-hmm. but that is a, that is a, a important distinction because there are teachers who would think that's not a good idea just on the on the face of it Oh, what would be a good idea exactly? To, 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 com- to combine things like that. Even to, if it's advertised as Even if combined. it's advertised. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that meeting I mentioned to you earlier, a stat meeting back in, in London 35 years ago, that was, along with group teaching, that was the hot topic then. Um, what was very popular in England at, at that time were these sort of weekend or week-long residential courses out in the country and they might be just Alexander or they might be horseback riding in Alexander or yoga in Alexander or singing in Alexander. And there were a lot of teachers who were very, very upset by that. 
I don't think you get that level of upsetness today, although I think you might run into it in some quarters. Right. So those are the divisions I can think of. Is there any? Do you have any thoughts on other divisions? Actually, I didn't think uh, it was going to be. Uh, this was going to be the divisions. I think they're really interesting. I can't think of another one right now, except for just the, the, a big area of the general tone of the teacher. As far mm-hmm. as a new student, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a student checking out a teacher, mm-hmm. the vibe of the teacher, whether or not they do basic procedures versus, uh, I mean, basic principles versus the procedure or more or less hands-on, is it like a kind of a, a more of a serious vibe? Is it a light vibe? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the personality it, of the teacher themselves? Yeah, I think it's pretty huge. Well, and uh, it is, and and I I can't emphasize enough that uh, Alexander Technique lessons have never been standardized products. That that they everything depends on the particular teacher, their approach to teaching, their personality, and certainly, um, it, I, I guess my advice to potential students would be: if you're somewhere where there's just one teacher. Then just go to that teacher and see what you think. But you might have a you might have in the back of your mind some of these divisions that we're talking about, right. mm-hmm. and that might help you to evaluate them a bit. If you're somewhere where there's a choice of teachers, um, go to two or three, and mm-hmm. and and there may be one who's a absolutely superb teacher, but but is just not the right personality for you. Yeah, definitely. And they might be perfect for. A friend of yours. Every Alexander Technique teacher is perfect for somebody. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pr- that is true. I mean, when I look back to my first teacher, in some ways, he never talked about directions, for example. I mean, it was just pure hands-on stuff, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, looking back, he may have been the perfect teacher for me at that time. Mm. I might not have been in a place where thinking about directions would have made any sense. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's just a case of, of finding out what works for you. And I think Barbara Conable in, in her book, How to Learn the Alexander Technique, had some rough guidelines for people. If you leave a lesson feeling heavier or more uncomfortable than when you went, that might not be a, a good sign. Or if you don't, if you dislike the teacher's personality, probably you should go elsewhere, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just common sense, common sense uh, advice. Unless you leave a lesson, you feel heavier than when you went in, and yeah. for some reason, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. It, it's very tricky stuff. It is want- tricky. I mean, for a new student who's never had an Alexander lesson mm-hmm. and comes to a teacher, they are really entering the unknown. Absolutely. And, yeah. um, you know, my advice in general would be be patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not sure, and certainly if it's just one teacher – you know, have a have two or th- two or three lessons. I think should give you a pretty good idea if this is useful to you. Might not be a bad idea to uh, check out some reading material, either a book or some websites, sure. a podcast or well, whatever. Sure, whatever. I mean, a- a- anything you can do to inform yourself is is likely to be helpful. Right. And I think just part of that self-informing process is having an idea 
of ways in which different teachers approach the work, approach teaching the work. Mm -hmm. And I will say also that teachers themselves change a lot uh, over the years. There are teachers who used to teach one way and now have completely completely changed. Sure, there are teachers who uh, experiment a lot and may change by the week or by the month absolutely, also. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I think that's that's really about all I have to say on the topic, uh, mm-hmm. unless you have any other questions. I, um, let me look over these five areas really quickly. Um, I mean, I think the first thing working with the students thinking is probably most people would say that's going to, that's one of the primary things, no matter what the style is, mm-hmm. one-to-one groups, procedures versus practical, whatever, um, it's working with the students thinking because if you're not working with the students thinking in some way, then you're working just with their body. Right. Well, and then they I, think, I think feeling. it's a little bit how you would approach a new student. I think there are some teachers who would, who would um, not want to get drawn into a lot of discussions about things like Alexander directions or whatever. They just want to give students some experience. Now, Wal- Walter Carrington, for example, who's a teacher I had tremendous respect for, once told me that he does did everything he could do to avoid any mention of the Alexander technique for the first 10 lessons <laughs> with a new student. And um, his reasoning was that what he, what he wanted to do was get a, get a new person to a point where they could appreciate the ideas. That was hmm. his thinking. Now, it has to be said that his clientele was a, a little skewed, I would say, in the direction of older people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, a, it's an absolutely legitimate approach that he had. It, it isn't one that I have ad- adopted, but, it, it, you know, for him, it made perfect sense. Hmm. And he, he helped a lot of people. Yeah. And ran a very successful training course, and he's had a huge influence on, on Alexander teaching today. So I, I don't I don't put these out here in any kind of judgmental way. I'm just more straight information, consumer yeah. consumer information. Yeah, in that way, I have no more questions. I think they're really interesting, uh, you know, divisions sort of. Yeah, and if anyone listening to this podcast can think of a basic division that I've missed, please let me know. I hope some at some point to write a little blog on this topic and if you if you the listener have a basic division that i've overlooked please let me know so maybe well, maybe yes. this is time to end our our interview what do you think yeah, it sounds good to me would you, would you like to add anything else any kind of general summing up overall well, i want to thank you for doing this um, no we, we have problem. a pattern of me calling you and or emailing you and saying do you want to interview me and and you write back say sure you have you have any hint of what the topic might be that's right i, I still don't <laughs> understand what the topic no i i understand it better now but it's uh i've never thought about these divisions or you know uh it's all on a continuum anyway it is pretty much all on a continuum yeah um there are very few people who are at the absolute far end of any of these. Right. I guess the nearest one would be people who use Skype 
for teaching right. are pretty obviously not doing a whole lot of hands-on work. But um, other than that, I think all of these people, are, most teachers are somewhere in that in the range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, thank you so much for for doing this. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to ask you questions that you wanted me to ask you. And let me just remind our listeners, Mark Josephsberg <laughs> teaches the Alexander Technique in New York City. Um, I will put a link to his website by the interview, and I'll also put a link to a site where you can learn more about the Alexander Technique. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Robert. <laughs>